Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, early numbers showing healthy holiday spending is good news for retailers, but not enough to offset concerns over this year's biggest challenge, the rapid growth of organized theft. Also this morning, in case you missed it, it's Christmas gift from the Fort Finley Playhouse, the classic old-time radio-style production of the holiday favorite It's a Wonderful Life airs tonight on WFIN. Happening around town, it's another local tradition to get you into the holiday spirit, the 12th annual Christmas Tree Gala and Auction at Fox Run Manor to benefit Cancer Patient Services. We'll get a preview. And we have more recipes for a homemade Christmas from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, December 15th, 2023. So this is the time of year, of course, when we get all of the year-end data and statistics and all of that. I thought this was kind of interesting. A new report finds the average American uses 140 plastic bags every year. 140 plastic bags. That's enough to reach the top of an 18-story building. Not individually, but collectively, that is... Enough plastic bags to fill an 18-story building. Um, I say we need to be more environmentally friendly. I remember when grocery stores transitioned from paper bags to plastic, and the selling point was they were more environmentally friendly. Well, come to find out, not really. Because the plastic bags take centuries, literally centuries, millennia, to decompose, uh, whereas plastic bags are more environmentally friendly or, even better, reusable bags. But uh, people are more likely... Do you use the reusable bags? And when they first brought the reusable bags uh, into the market, I think a lot of people were like, no, I'm not going to reuse it, take my own bags to the grocery store. But we do more more of that now uh, than we did... 20 years ago when they first brought in reusable bags because we're recognizing that this is bad for the environment, all of these plastic bags. And all of this plastic that we use in general is not environmentally friendly. 56% of people in a new survey say that they use uh, actual cloths instead of paper towels, fabric cloths uh, instead of paper towels. 53% Use reusable bottles instead of single-use plastic bottles. Um, 82% of holiday gift shoppers are planning to buy Earth-friendly gifts this year, it says. And 67% say it is easier to find them these days. So, kind of interesting. Again, year-end stuff, saving the environment and all of that. Um, You're going on vacation, there's travel season most people who travel this time of year are traveling specifically for the holidays to visit family and that kind of thing for holiday gatherings but maybe you're doing a little tourism as well while you were away big travel time the worst part of vacationing going someplace uh, on vacation is standing in line would you agree standing in line uh, the website TripAdvisor, um, 
has a a review section and the Hawaiian Islands Tourism Board scanned all of the reviews on TripAdvisor to see which tourist attractions have the most complaints regarding wait times. The top uh, attraction with the most complaints about wait times, the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Disneyland Paris uh, is in ninth place. So if you go to Paris, expect to spend a lot of your time standing in line. Um, France has two of the top 10 worst locations for lines. Uh, In the UK, they have three in the top 10. The London Eye, Legoland Windsor Resort, and the Alton Towers Resort. And in the UK, there are two in the top 10. The Empire State Building and the Top of the Rock, Rockefeller Center in uh, New York City. Those are the uh, two in the U.S., I when we went to New York City, we didn't go to Top of the Rock, but we did do the Empire State Building, and we had no wait. But then again, it was like Thanksgiving Day. I think after we went to the parade, we went to the Empire State Building, so maybe that had something to do with it. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Since we'll be uh, speaking of waiting in line, uh, did you see they are testing the new Top Thrill roller coaster, the reimagined Top Thrill roller coaster at Cedar Point? So they're getting to the point where it's fully constructed and they're doing testing now. It's going to be open. Can you imagine what the wait line is going to be for that? It would be in the top 10, I would imagine. Anyway. Speaking of the uh, holidays, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Zillow is giving you a chance to check out Santa and Mrs. Claus digs at the North Pole. Ever wonder what it would be like to... uh, Live with Santa and Mrs. Claus in the North Pole. Zillow is giving you a chance to check out their digs. Their home, the uh, site has launched their yearly interactive tour of Santa's house. But this year, there is something new. A virtual 3D tour based on an AI-generated floor plan. <laughs> Take a 3D tour of Santa's house on Zillow. In addition to Santa's kitchen, living room, bedroom, and bathroom... The tour give folk, gives folks a peek at some new spaces, including Santa's mailroom and the gift wrapping suite. The cabin also has some upgrades this year. Santa's been, if you wonder what Santa does over the summer, he does what many of us do. Um, tinkers around the house, has some home improvement projects. Um, this year, they added a naughty or nice detector, a hot cocoa bar, and an elf door. <laughs> an elf door. So the elves can come and go as they please. Those checking out Santa's cabin can also take part in a virtual treasure hunt with holiday items like fruitcake and mistletoe hidden throughout the space. Zillow's annual tour of Santa's house has been a staple since 2016 and has proven to be one of Zillow's most viewed off-market listings. In fact, its first year, it was viewed over 3 million times, and it's gone up since there, uh, since then. Uh, while Santa is not selling his cabin anytime soon, it says he and Mrs. Claus could get a pretty penny for it. According to Zillow, Santa's house worth $1.8 million. Uh, that is a 2% increase from last year, a little more than 2% increase from last year. And of course, with the rising interest rates... Boy, can you imagine the mortgage on that place? Anyway. Um, 
Speaking of the holidays, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Good mornings to you, by the way. The uh, holiday season is certainly a romantic time of year, and it seems that folks these days are taking advantage of that, not necessarily in a good way. According to the online dating site Seeking.com, all those romantic holiday tropes have spawned a new dating trend called, are you ready for this? Snowmancing. Snowmancing. This is the the new word. According to Seeking.com, this is when couples immerse themselves in a seasonal romance, embracing the holiday spirit. You know, you find somebody, you have a good time with all of the holiday things, ice skating and uh, getting cozy by the fire and watching those holiday movies. It's all about living out those picture-perfect moments that you that you imagine in your mind. Um, unfortunately, like the holidays, these snowmances don't usually last. Many will come to an end as soon as the magic of the season fades away. So how can you tell if you are being snowmanced? Well, one of the biggest signs is noticing that your relationship gets hot during the cold winter months and then cools off once the temperatures get warmer. Another clue is if your new partner seems to be overly affectionate and ready for a quick commitment right around the holiday season. Surefire red flag. And be wary of grand gestures and extravagant gifts, which are sure signs that they are in trying to impress you during the holidays. While it is possible, they say, for a snowmance to turn into a real relationship, it will require both sides to keep those holiday romance feelings alive. The uh, site notes, quote, Dating should leave you with a sense of luxury, You should feel on top of the world, and it should be consistent, not just a sudden burst of activity and your significant other spoiling you over the holidays and at no other time. So, something, you mind snowmancing, that's the new thing. I can't say that I'm necessarily surprised by that, but kind of interesting that we give it a word. Snowmancing. I like that, though. That's kind of clever, so. And uh, speaking of relationships and such the university of gottingen i believe this is in germany conducted a study to try and get to the bottom of what women want (laughs) men how many times have we asked ourselves this what do women really want and the researchers at the university of gottingen have conducted a study to find the answers They surveyed 20,000 single women between the ages of 18 and 67 in 150 different countries. So this is a global study. Uh, And at all ages, they say at all ages, women want a supportive and kind partner. Uh, Older women looking for more confidence in a mate. Uh, Older women also more open to having a younger partner than younger women are to having an older partner. And uh, after the age of 28, women were not as concerned as to whether or not their partner would be a good parent. After the age of 28, that's not that big of a deal. 
These insights are exciting because they challenge conventional notions of how age is linked to the way women picture the partner of their dreams, according to the study author, Laura Butsett. So, and it's interesting, the author of the study is a woman. I don't know if these uh, findings are necessarily valid for uh, every woman. I mean, it's a big survey. Your mileage may vary, but... If nothing else, you got to give them credit for at least trying. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to gotta give them credit for the attempt, whether or not you agree with the findings. There you go. <laughs> the uh, first things you need to know, the in most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny skies today, a high in the low 50s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low in the mid-30s. The Tiffin Police Department says it received a call to conduct a welfare check on a resident on Adams Street. Family was concerned that the subject was off his meds, paranoid and suicidal. Additionally, the subject was armed with a machete. Upon arrival to the residence, the subject brandished the machete and threatened to kill officers if they entered the residence. Officers tried to talk with the subject, but he continued to make threats and eventually cut off all contact with negotiators. Officers eventually made entry into the residence, located him, hunkered down in the bathroom, and placed him in police custody. He was uninjured. However, due to medical concerns, he was taken to Tiffin Mercy Hospital for treatment under police custody. Ohio lawmakers are still considering proposed changes to Issue 2, which legalizes recreational marijuana in the state. Right now, there are two proposed bills, House Bill 354 and House Bill 86. HB 354 is stuck in committee. HB 86 passed the Senate last week, but has not made it to the House floor for a vote. The House Speaker says he's in no rush to get a bill passed in order to make sure they get it all right. Legislature goes on holiday break after this week. More hearings are scheduled for January. I'm Clay Gordon. The Finley Fire Department again this year participated in the Shop with a Firefighter program in conjunction with Finley Hope House and Walmart. Star Later is Assistant Director at Hope House. It's really cool to follow around um, some of the firefighters and the kiddos that are shopping and hear the conversation that they have with one another. Um, and it does bring joy to the hearts of everybody who's involved with this program. Get more of our conversation with Star and see some video of Shop with a Firefighter in the story on our website. Speaking of the fire department, they were called out on Thursday to put out a garbage truck that caught on fire. The trash truck was going down Crystal Avenue when it started smoking. The driver pulled into Crystal Glen Apartments and got out of the truck, and it caught on fire and became fully engulfed in flames. Responding firefighters quickly put the fire out. The driver was not injured. See video on our website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Or into the final hectic days of the busy holiday season, which of course is the most important time of year for retail stores, as we know. Unfortunately, recent uptick in retail crime, especially theft, has put retailers on edge. And uh, we are joined this morning first by Chris Hamlin. He is Vice President of Asset Protection at the Retail Industry Leaders Association. Chris, let me start with you. What are some of the recent statistics on retail theft in the U.S.? Kind of put this in perspective for us here. You know, Chris, before we even get to the statistics, when, when you think about retail theft across the United States, um, you know, retailers are dealing with two major issues. 
Uh, one is the, the criminal actor. You know, those criminal actors out there, uh, they look at the retail theft behavior as a low risk, high reward type of environment. And, and second to that, you know, coming out of the pandemic, us as consumers, we, we got accustomed to shopping online. Well, these criminal actors are exploiting those online marketplaces. They're leveraging those marketplaces to be able to sell their stolen and their counterfeit goods uh, and to be able to flip that to unknowing consumers across the board. This is where the challenges have come for the retail industry and where we've seen uh, the uptick in those smash and grab thefts, uh, those, those high violent offenses, uh, you know, those criminal behaviors that are making it really troublesome to go out there and go shopping. Yeah, that is the biggest concern is this enterprise theft, right? Not so much the individual shoplifter, although that's always a concern, obviously, but this has become an organized criminal enterprise. Absolutely. It's, it's that criminal element or that, that behavior uh, that, that is, is causing this. And, it, and in these individuals, like I said earlier, they, they are, it's low risk for them. Uh, and, and, and high rewards. So you see this repeat behavior happening, and these individuals know that, that, that the consequences today are minimum for them, and that's, that's where the shift has to be. Now, we are also joined by Mike Shore. He is Vice President General Manager of Enterprise at Axon, the leading global public safety technology provider. You recently, Mike, conducted a survey on this subject. What were some of the key takeaways? Yeah, we did. And it, we surveyed 1,200 retail associates that represent 21 million uh, retail associates in the U.S. Uh, and what we found was troubling. We aimed to understand, you know, really what's going on in the primary research. What we saw uh, about two-thirds of those employees had experienced firsthand theft on the front line, and about half of them have experienced workplace violence. Uh, and that's, you know, just simply way too high. Uh, you know, the outcome of this is workers don't feel safe uh, going to, to earn. Uh, and so this is something that, you know, we're taking really seriously and aiming to address. That's the aspect of it that I, I think we don't fully appreciate. I mean, we hear the stories uh, about the losses uh, being incurred and uh, retailers taking drastic measures to combat those losses, putting more product under lock and key, in some cases, even exiting certain markets or certain stores that have been uh, particularly hard hit. But this takes a toll in the workplace. Absolutely. Right. There's a there's a true human element and cost to this. Uh, what you're seeing now is, you know, not only is this gaining you know attention, but this is a top line issue. Right. For folks, you know, the customers you know, don't feel safe. They don't want to come into these stores. And it's a bottom line issue. Uh, just all of the pressures around shrink, around theft, around, uh, you know, it's tough to get labor that wants to work in these markets. And so uh, because of all of these call it like confluence of, of, of factors, you know, this is really top of mind for retail leaders. So knowing that and with all this data, as a security professional yourself, what is the solution to combating this scourge of retail crime? Well, you think about it, Chris, you know, traditionally, retailers have leveraged uh, security devices to be able to protect the goods. You talked about earlier, the, the lock and key mentality. Um, they've also deployed, you know, adding uh, more uh, security personnel to their to their front lines to be able to be that visual deterrent uh, in these settings. But where we are today, retailers are, are approaching this from a multi-pronged approach. They are leveraging collaboration 
uh, partnerships and technology. And so when you think about those three elements there, you know, working um, more solely with uh, prosecutors, working with law enforcement and social service entities, that's where at RELA, we launched a vibrant communities initiative. And that initiative is, is geared towards ending recidivism. It's geared towards going after those habitual offenders uh, and, 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 and shutting down and, and, and making it that these offenses are high risk, low reward for those offenders. And it's all leveraged or, or all tied together by leveraging technology uh, to be able to bring these cases together, to bring the evidence together, um, to be able to tie it uh, up and, uh, up uh, for a prosecutor to be able to, to go after stricter prosecution for those bad actors out there. Now, as you mentioned uh, before, we've seen cases uh, where, uh, in the worst case scenario, this can actually turn violent. If you look at the ways in which traditional law enforcement de-escalates violence, the tools, the technology, the techniques, how much of that can be applied to retail? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. And it's where Axon comes into the picture. And so we've been serving law enforcement for a little over 30 years. Uh, sort of the evolution of, of our story and how we ended up in retail is we brought the electrical weapon to market with a mission to protect life known as the taser uh, as a substitute for called lethal force or hands-on. Um, and over time, it was a really effective tool, but folks wanted to get more context around it. We put cameras at the bottom of those tasers. That got us into the world of body-worn cameras uh, and our software, evidence.com, to manage uh, all of the digital evidence from those cameras. Fast forward to post-COVID, uh, you know, as we've talked about today, uh, simply put, people stopped following the rules uh, in public spaces. And in retail, that showed up uh, with these challenges uh, around safety. And these retailers started to call an Axon. Hey, Axon, you've seen these before. Can you help? Uh, and what we've seen is retailers started to deploy tasers on their security guards uh, and body-worn cameras and evidence.com. Uh, further, uh, they're expanding those deployments of body-worn cameras to folks like frontline associates, asset protection, and loss prevention folks, um, and really for three primary reasons. First, uh, being able to deter and de-escalate threats if you know that a store is properly equipped and enabled with these technologies. Mm -hmm. They're a less attractive target. Right. Second, uh, live streaming during an incident, being able to live stream to a security operations center, to responding law enforcement so they can take the appropriate response. And maybe that's something like sending a social services worker. Uh, and finally, third, post-incident, being able to package all of the evidence, not only from body-worn cameras, but also maybe from CCTV, uh, consumer cell phones that they're willing to submit, uh, and, uh, and taking that and appropriately packaging it to where law enforcement and DAs are already working, which is evidence.com. Uh, every single major city in the U.S. is using evidence. Com. Uh, and when Chris talks about public and private collaboration, being able to gather all of these uh, stakeholders and collaborate on a case in a compliant way and efficiently, you know, you're starting to see really positive outcomes in terms of addressing these challenges. So we're likely to see more of these tools being deployed in retail in the coming year. In the meantime, Chris, we also going to see more of these more traditional mitigation techniques. Again, uh, product behind uh, lock and key and, uh, you know, uh, some of these more traditional things that uh, consumers will notice front and center. 
Yeah, Chris, you know, our retail members, they, they, they are continuing to leverage that technology or, or, or those tools or, and tactics. You got to think about it. You know, when, when, when you make it a harder obstacle for these bad offenders, these bad actors, these, these habitual offenders, um, to plague retail, uh, you, you kind of minimize some of those risks, but it's, it's about how do, how do we, how do we minimize the majority of them? It's, it's what's next. But in, in the short term, yes, we're going to see those tactics through this holiday season and, and going forward. Hmm. Again, uh, Chris Hamlin is uh, vice president of Asset Protection at the Retail Industry Leaders Association. Mike Shore is Vice President and General Manager of Enterprise at Axon. Where do we get more information on these latest trends and what is being done about this increasing problem of retail theft, especially uh, enterprise theft? Yeah, first off, uh, to learn more about RELA or the Vibrant Communities Initiative, uh, you can go to rila.org forward slash AP. I, I urge you to take a look at what Vibrant Communities is all about and what it could do within your local communities. And for Axon? For Axon, you can go to axon.com slash retail, and that's where you'll find our comprehensive resources specifically designed for retailers. Gentlemen, thank you both for taking the time uh, this morning, putting all of this in perspective, some of these stories we've heard in the news. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So we're really excited about this, a Christmas gift to you from the Fort Findlay Playhouse, classic, old-time radio-style production of the holiday favorite, It's a Wonderful Life, will air tonight right here on WFIN. It's pretty exciting stuff. The, uh, The Trojans have the weekend off, a rare weekend off during the basketball season, so that gives us a Friday night, an open Friday night, to bring you It's a Wonderful Life by the Fort Finley Playhouse. And in case you missed it a couple of weeks ago on the program, ahead of the opening of the show at the Playhouse, we spoke with director Ashley Cambers, assistant director Abby Starcher, and multifaceted cast member Roger Krantz about the show. It's a Wonderful Life. Everybody knows the story. How faithfully is that recreated for the, the radio play from the, the movie that we all know and love? Quite close. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much the movie, but it's put on stage, set as a radio play. So you mm-hmm. won't see the actors physically acting out the action, but you'll mm-hmm. see them with their scripts. So does that make it easier or harder to do in this? I mean, on the one hand, you don't have to stage it all out and you know block it all out the way you would a regular play. But on the other hand... Uh, doing it in this way presents its own challenges, I would imagine. That's right. I think it has its unique challenges. I wouldn't say that it's easier than a regular play because we have to find a way to make it interesting for the audience with the actors standing at a mic and performing. So a lot of it is vocal performance and looking at their scene partners and just bringing it alive without physically acting out scenes. Yeah, and and I would imagine that would be, uh, in some respects, a challenge for the actors as well. It's definitely a very specific skill set that these old-time radio players had because when you're walking around the stage in costume and everything, you kind of become the character. Absolutely. doesn't happen the same way. Absolutely. Exactly. So how do you approach that then? Well, we're approaching it as a play within a play. Mm -hmm. So we have our 1940s radio star actors, and that's how they come on stage, and then they become their It's a Wonderful Life characters. And when they step away from the mic, they're back to the 1940s. So it's this back and forth that's really fun. Yeah. Uh, Now, Roger, you are uh, kind of, I don't want to say the star of the show, but it's. uh, I'm looking at all of the uh, characters you're playing, and this is 
uh, all you know uh, apologies to uh, Ashley and Abigail almost a one-man show here it seems like <laughs> well You're- not quite because uh, we do have uh, the actor playing George mm-hmm. and the actress playing Mary mm-hmm. uh, they're obviously the stars mm-hmm. but uh, yes I do play multiple characters uh, <laughs> a couple of the other actors who are in the show play multiple characters um, I'm Freddie Fillmore the WBFR Playhouse of the Air announcer <laughs> and I also play Old Man Potter uh, which is a challenge. Initially, I tried to channel Lionel Barrymore from the movie, but uh, that got a little hard on my voice, so I, I had to change uh, my vocal approach to that. Yeah. Uh, how how much of a challenge is that, or how do you approach that, given that, that people know these characters and have these preconceived notions of what they sound like, how they act like, how they deliver the lines, and so on. Because you don't want to just do a reproduction. Right, of right. We're not know. copying the movie. You're right. not going to come here and hear Jimmy Stewart. We don't want that. Yeah. I mean, he's great. I love it. But, you know, this is our interpretation of it. So mm-hmm. that's a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so you've got, can can you do some some lines uh, from the show? Like yeah. a, a sample of the of the show? Uh, several times I have multiple characters back to back. So that <laughs> that's a challenge. So uh, before you do that, <clears throat> yes. it, was this like by design you were doing all of these? Or is it just one of those things like, oh, Roger would be great for that. Oh, Roger would be great for that. Oh, Roger would be great for that. This is the way the play was designed. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, so... All right, so uh, I'm Joseph, the uh, the head angel who uh, mentors Clarence the angel, uh, also Uncle Billy, and then uh, Mr. Potter. So here's a, a brief exchange. Okay. <clears throat> well, today's the day before Christmas, and Billy is at the bank to make a deposit when he ran into old man Potter. Well, 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 Mr. Henry F. Potter, come to the bank to deposit some more loot, huh? Sure, you old fool. How do you like the news in the paper, Mr. Potter? Harry Bailey wins Congressional Medal of Honor. Just can't keep those Bailey boys down now, can you? Let me see that newspaper. Here you go. It's kind of like being read a bedtime story. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like with one person doing all the voices. Yeah, like that. that's exactly it. Um, so give us the details on the show uh, at the Fort Finley Playhouse. Performances are December 14th through the 17th. Okay, and uh, folks can get tickets now? Yes, yes, they are on sale now. You can buy them online at fortfinleyplayhouse.org forward slash tickets. And by the way, there are still some tickets available for the final weekend of shows at the Fort Finley Playhouse if you want to see it live and in person. And it is kind of interesting, you know, back in the days of old time radio, they had live audiences and this is how they would they would do radio shows. Uh, there would be a live audience who would go and watch the actors not act out their roles, just stand in front of microphones and read the lines. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, but if you want to go and actually see the show, there are still tickets available. And of course, as we mentioned, we will have the broadcast of It's a Wonderful It's a Wonderful Life, a live radio play from the Fort Finley Playhouse tonight at 8 o'clock on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Special Christmas gift to you from the Fort Finley Playhouse and WFIN and thanks to the Community Foundation for uh, making the broadcast of the show possible tonight at 8 p.m. Well, another big uh, holiday event coming up this weekend in the community. It is the Christmas Tree Gala and Auction at Fox Run Manor. 
It's all benefit for cancer patient services. Aaron Ryder from Fox Run is with us in the studio this morning. Uh, Aaron, a lot of things going on uh, on Sunday as part of this event. Kind of give us the rundown here. Yeah, so this is our 12th annual gala that we're having out there in silent auction. All of the money goes to cancer patient services in our community, um, which is a great cause. Yeah. Um, We're very excited that we're going to have 20 trees out there, and they're already set up. They're beautiful, and you can bid today. You can bid any time. Okay. So from now until the conclusion this Sunday. All right. Uh, That's what I was going to say. The trees are the same. I mean, there are other things going on. You've got pictures with Santa. You'll have refreshments. uh, There'll be entertainment and, you know, a lot of things going on. But the trees are really the the highlights. So tell us about these. Oh, wow. There's some good ones this year. We've got a peppermint tree. It's beautiful. We have a Taylor Swift tree that's really getting... <laughs> of course you have a Taylor Swift. There would have yeah. to be a Taylor Swift tree. That one's close to going viral on our Facebook page, um, <laughs> which bet. is a good a good time to announce that you can hop on our Fox Run Manor Facebook page and okay. see all of the trees all right. um, and hopefully get inspired to come out and bid on one Very of them. Very good. What are some of the other uh, themed? Because they all have uh, different themes, right? Yeah. So we've got um, a ladder which is very unique. We have a little old kerosene thing, so a couple of unique ones. We've okay. got some nice tabletop decorations oh, okay. um, from the Friends of Cancer Patient Services. Um, so you don't need to spend a million dollars, even though that's encouraged. Yeah, But sure. you could come out and bid on some tabletop decor. Yeah. So, so uh, really affordable pieces as well. Now, do you put those, who does the trees for the, the tree gala? So we have a number of sponsors, um, basically, you can donate a tree. Okay. And a lot of businesses are attached to that, which you can see all of our sponsors on our Facebook page. And they come up with the theme and then all do the them. decorating and, and all of that. So how long have they been working on these trees? Well, some of them were able to produce those trees pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, some people probably had an idea for months that they were excited about. Yeah. So it varies. Because you actually started preparing for this you know, weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's so. good to give people some notice and mm-hmm. give them an opportunity and try to encourage the most trees as yeah. we could get. So uh, really a creative way to celebrate the holiday, have a little fun with it, and of course, raise money for a cancer patient services, which, as you mentioned, provides so many uh, great benefits uh, to so many people in the community yeah and we're really we're really happy that we can help um and i really love the community support it's amazing it's outpouring of love from this community yeah uh as you mentioned you can actually uh bid on the trees now how do you do that so everything is going to be in person this year. Okay. We're, we're getting back to the to the roots and how we used to do it. You know, yeah. COVID it was online and we tried a couple different things, but mm-hmm. really excited to have it back at Fox Run Manor, um, which is located off of South Main mm-hmm. out there by the Buckeye Barbecue. Okay. Um, a common misconception is that we're located at the Fox Run AL in the subdivision of Fox Run. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we are not affiliated with them. Um, we are HCF family of companies serving our community since... 1976 so we've been around for a while absolutely Um, but the fox run manor itself is only 11 years old big beautiful and just excited to get some people out there yeah uh so you drop by and you can uh place your bid or you can uh, come by on sunday that's when everything concludes and the the event on sunday 
is when to win. Give us all of the details on this. Yeah, so this Sunday, it's from 1 to 3. All the bidding ends at 3 o'clock. Okay. Exactly. It'll be interesting to pull those bid sheets and get your final bids in. But yeah, Santa Claus, a harpist, some heavy appetizers, and some cookies, and some punch. Um, And just, it should be a great time. And even if you are not uh, able to bid on the trees, uh, you can come out and see them all and celebrate the season and all of that. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. the most important thing. You don't need to bid on a tree. I think just to see it is beautiful, and we're really happy that it can be there for the residents to enjoy, too. Although, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a good point, because I'm sure that they've been enjoying them over the uh, the past uh, couple of weeks as well. And um, the But as you said... Uh, there are more than just the full-size trees. There are like table decorations, the other things to, to bid on. So you may very well go in not thinking you're going to pick something up and find something that you just can't resist. So. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and there's something for everybody. Yeah. Uh, again, the uh, 12th Annual Christmas Tree Gala and Auction at Fox Run Manor at, uh, on Sunday. It all begins at 1 o'clock Sunday, right? Yep. So, And then 3 o'clock is when we'll find out who the uh, uh, winners are. Lots of entertainment, lots of things going on. Aaron Ryder with uh, Fox Run Manor with us uh, in the studio this morning. Aaron, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Yep. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. We begin in Florida. (laughs) Where, and this is a holiday-themed story, actually, out of Florida. The story of a Florida mom who tried to scam donations from her neighbors by claiming a thief stole her kids' Christmas gifts. That's nice. (laughs) She ended up getting an unexpected present herself, a trip to jail. Uh, The uh, community of Lehigh Acres all pitched in to help Shauna Hudson and her family by donating gifts uh, because she had said, apparently, um, she had claimed that somebody had stolen all of the gifts that she had gotten for her kids for Christmas. So the whole community uh, came together to donate gifts for the family until the sheriff's office in Lee County got a tip that her story was all a lie. <laughs> and this is... The best part of the of the story, not only did she get caught, she got escorted to jail by the Grinch. Uh, she got her comeuppance when the sheriff's department sent the Grinch to her house to make the arrest. And local TV news crews were there to capture the whole thing on video. <laughs> the Grinch, an officer dressed like the Grinch, goes up to the, goes up to the door and rings the doorbell. Hey, Shauna. Whoville called. They want their Grinch back. Um, the uh, video of the rest was posted on the uh, Sheriff's Office Facebook page. Ms. Hudson was booked into the county jail and charged with making a false report to law enforcement. <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> what, what would possess somebody to do something like that? I mean... Not the mother of the year there. This is kind of interesting. A couple of stories uh, out of Australia this morning. 
And Australia is giving Florida a run for its money in terms of uh, the volume of stories in the broken news. A pair of men in Perth staged an eight-hour drunken standoff with police on the roof of a construction site for no apparent reason other than they just wanted to do a standoff with police. They were bored, apparently. Uh, The two men, both in their 20s, allegedly climbed to the roof at a construction site and refused to come down, then proceeded to throw bags of concrete to the ground, all while swigging from their vodka bottle. When a police negotiator arrived on the scene, the men indicated they were willing to make a deal. They demanded more vodka, a vape, and a helicopter. (laughs) The men eventually made their way down from the building before making a brief attempt at a getaway. When asked by police if they'd had a big night, one answered, Absolutely! Can you imagine they're standing around, these two guys just sitting around drinking, saying, you know what we ought to do? <laughs> we ought to start a police standoff. And the other guy going, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> also from Australia, <laughs> a woman has been accused of stealing a van Carrying 10,000 Krispy Kreme donuts. Hey, in in her defense, in, in all fairness, Krispy Kremes are delicious. So, you can't really blame her. The suspect can reportedly be seen on surveillance footage jumping into the van outside of a 7-Eleven. The vehicle found a week later, minus all of the donuts. Well... Not all of the donuts were gone, but the ones that were in the van, obviously, a week later are no good uh, anymore. But a fair number of them were missing. Suspect uh, was found and arrested, charged with vehicular theft and driving while disqualified. Um, I guess in this country, that would be driving without a, uh, a license. It is unclear if the donuts were the motivating factor in the crime, whether she just wanted to steal a vehicle and it happened to be a donut truck or she had a donut craving and so she stole a vehicle, which that is, we don't know. But <laughs> she she has been caught. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news this morning, you know, in the Old West days when... The train was the primary mode of transportation through the wide open expanses of the wild, undeveloped west, uh, western part of the uh, country. Uh, you know those uh, those things they have on the uh, the front of the trains. They call them cow catchers because occasionally, you know, you're in the wide open areas, wide open spaces. Uh, cows would wander onto the tracks, and the, you wouldn't want the train to hit the cow. Uh, because that might derail the train. So they put the cow catchers on there, knock the cows off the tra- train tracks. That's what they call it. They're calling cow catchers. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, they had a, a similar issue on the train in New Jersey on Thursday morning. Um, New Jersey Transit Authority posted an unusual update on its social media page, a bull causing delays at the Newark Penn Station, footage of a long-horned young bull running around the tracks 
surfaced on social media, the animal caused a 45-minute delay during the busy morning commute into Penn Station in New York. <laughs> Users on social media were quick to respond. Has the bull been apprehended? Will, be will he be charged a fare for uh, using the rails? And uh, one other person says, I guess I'll have to hoof it to work. Get it? But I'm bum. I've heard of a bull in a china shop, but not a bull on the train tracks. In New Jersey, of all places. Not where you would normally uh, think of a bull uh, <laughs> may, may be on the loose, much less making their way on the train tracks. And a couple of other items here in the uh, broken news. Prosecutors say a man in Washington, D.C. stabbed his wife last weekend because he didn't want to eat the pancakes that she had made. Well, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> that sounds like a reasonable reaction when you don't get the breakfast that you want. The attorney for the District of Columbia announced charges against 85-year-old Stephen Schwartz yesterday. Investigators say Mr. Schwartz stabbed his 81-year-old wife on Sunday uh, because <laughs> an argument over pancakes. He is being held without bond pending a preliminary hearing. Explain that to the judge. <laughs> Man, that's taking it to an extreme. And finally, in the uh, broken news, speaking of taking things to an extreme, uh, this in Japan, also from the international file, in Kumamoto, Japan, one man's effort to kill a cockroach quickly got out of hand when he accidentally blew up his entire apartment. Uh, the man saw a cockroach in his apartment on Sunday started spraying an incredibly massive amount of insecticide everywhere. Only saw one cockroach, but where there's one, there are more. So, <laughs> massive amount of insecticide everywhere. About a minute later, the man, uh, a candle on the man's table ignited the flammable chemicals, blowing out his windows, um... Only minor injuries, though, in the incident, and no word on the condition of the cockroach. <laughs> That's taking things to a bit of an extreme. Blew up his entire apartment. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Did you know more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for their news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection? AM radio is the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping Americans safe in dangerous times. This is News Director Matt Demchek. AM 1330 WFIN is here to serve you, and we take seriously our commitment to our listeners. We would love to hear what you value most about AM radio. Visit wearebroadcasters.com and tell us how you depend on AM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We were talking about the growing problem of retail theft in our cover story this morning. A new report also reveals a staggeringly high number of Americans admit to engaging in credit card fraud. This is kind of a related item here, but not the type of credit card fraud you might 
initially think. According to data from the anti-fraud company SIFT, 26% of all consumers admit to filing a fraud claim or other type of dispute with their credit card company, despite the fact that they not only received their purchase, but they were satisfied with it. Um, they say they just disputed, they admit that they filed a dispute, even though they were satisfied with their purchase simply because they wanted their money back and they knew that their credit card company would cover the cost. And they're usually successful uh, in that. They have a name for it. It's called first-party fraud or friendly fraud. And it's more often than not successful. Break it down by generation. 42% of Gen Zers admit to engaging in this type of fraud. 22% of millennials 10% of Gen Xers and just 5% of baby boomers. So this is an especially troubling trend among younger Americans. But overall, more than one in four consumers admit to doing this. And the amount of the disputes, the dollar amount of the disputes, uh, is also on the rise. The average chargeback value in the first quarter of this year was $388.70. That is up slightly from last year, although some industries saw much more dramatic increases. Transportation, for example, experienced a 367% spike in chargeback values year over year. Now, they attribute that more than anything to the surge in travel post-pandemic and rising airline prices, coupled with rampant delays and cancellations because of weather during the holidays last year, leading to more expensive disputes. So not all of these are fraudulent necessarily, but it is also a growing problem for credit card companies in terms of the dollars lost to this type of friendly fraud, which is not friendly at all, because like retail theft, this ends up costing everybody in the end. Um, according to the folks at SIFT, uh, Rebecca Alter says, uh, we're seeing a trend of younger generations, especially increasingly taking advantage of consumer-friendly chargeback protections. And you know what that'll actually lead to? Fewer approvals of chargebacks. So, the people who do legitimately have a dispute, have a case, are going to find more of their claims denied as more credit card companies crack down on this. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio once again. It is time for another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. I saw this, speaking of food, I thought this was kind of interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, the number one comfort food in America. Mac and cheese. <laughs> Mac and cheese. Well, um, grilled cheese oh, is on the is okay. on the list. Okay. The top comfort foods. Okay. Um, this is a, a survey. Ask people 
what their favorite comfort food was. 19% said grilled cheese. Grilled cheese. You know the number one comfort food? Ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream. Really? Uh, okay. The top well, go-to yeah, comfort food. yeah, you see that in movies all the time. Exactly. You know, they get their, they're upset their boyfriend broke up with them, so they get yeah, the tub of, of ice cream. In all of your holiday movies, they yes. get out the uh, break out the tub of ice cream. Tub of ice cream and the huge spoon. <laughs> 34% say that is their go-to comfort food. Yep. Pizza is number two at 31%, yep. uh, followed by pasta. Pasta, at, mac and cheese. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Pasta. Yep. Uh, 24%. Burgers, 22%. And grilled cheese, uh, 19%. So, yep. And the reason I brought this up, uh, because in the survey, 78% of those in the survey agree that cooking is a calming task yep and the top activity that people do when they need to relieve stress yep so there you go if you're feeling the stress of the holiday season you can head to the kitchen and my wife kyra with uh, some recipes some more recipes this morning for a homemade christmas yes these are fun uh gifts uh some for him some for her Um, stuff you can make stuff uh, and then give as homemade Mm -hmm. uh gifts and it so. seems like that seems to be more and more. It is. It is a trend. They, yeah, yeah, they like the homemade gifts. Yeah. So this is a smoky sweet barbecue rub, a quarter cup of kosher salt, quarter cup of firmly packed dark brown sugar, two tablespoons plus two teaspoons of smoked paprika, two tablespoons of granulated sugar, two teaspoons of garlic powder, two teaspoons of freshly ground pepper, one teaspoon of dried mustard, one teaspoon of ground cumin, and one teaspoon of ground ginger. So just put all those in a big bowl, stir together, and place in an airtight container. It's that simple, yeah. basically. So the thing for gifts is you can put it in a small jar or in a small uh, zip baggie. And label it, you know, what it is and enjoy. And there you go. Yeah. Easy peasy. Really easy. The Smoky Sweet Barbecue Rub. Yes. You can make your own and wow your Mm -hmm. friends and family and you don't have to tell them how easy it was to do. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Also, you have a recipe similarly simple Mm -hmm. for a homemade vanilla extract. Yeah. So my best friend and I did this last year. This was one of our our Christmas presents that we, we did. We made together and gave to our family and friends so it's, so that's a great idea you yeah. can do get together with a friend oh and do yeah these things. yeah yeah yep. we had a great, great we too. had a great weekend yeah. so homemade vanilla uh extract is vanilla beans uh vodka or whiskey whichever you want or both that's what we did we did a little bit of both mm-hmm. and not a, combined in the same no, 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 no. jar you have we jars just, with vodka jar, jars with right, whiskey correct okay yeah and 3.3 ounce bottles so split the vanilla beans leaving uh just a little bit on the end you may have to cut uh cut them in half depending on how tall your bottle is our bottle was tall enough we didn't have to place them in the bottle we did like i want to say depending on the size of the vanilla bean i want to say we did two or three in each bottle uh tap oh uh, two or three of the vanilla yeah, beans vanil- in each bottle, in okay. each bottle. All right. then top with your alcohol um um, add a good ratio of vanilla beans per one third cup of vodka. One bean for every one third cup. Right. Okay. Correct. So uh, store in a cool, dark place for at least six weeks before using. So that gets all that all uh, the vanilla going through the alcohol. Um, the longer it sits, the darker the extract. I still have some from last year that I'm still using. 
and okay. and it's really good. And a three point three, <coughs> excuse me, a three point three ounce bottle. You could take that through airport security if you're flying somewhere for the holidays. <laughs> yeah, there I think you go. I think that uh, is under, under the uh, under the limit. There. Under the limit. And uh, also have a another uh, a dip uh, recipe, a yep. dip recipe that would be good to share with someone for the holidays. Yep. This is an infused olive oil bread dip. Yep. And we did the same one. So we did both of these last year. And uh, this one is one and a half tablespoons of dried parsley, one tablespoon of garlic powder, one tablespoon of oregano, two teaspoons of dried rosemary, one and a half teaspoons of dried thyme, a half a teaspoon of salt, half a teaspoon of ground black pepper, one, your uh, bottles, 8.5 ounce bottles with the cap or a flip cork that seals, and then um, 0.0 ounce bottles of, so a big bottle of olive oil. Okay. <laughs> so, big so, bottle of olive oil. Yeah, we okay. got ours like at Sam's Club. Mix all the ingredients into a small bowl with a small funnel, add about two tablespoons of seasoning to each bottle. In a large pan, heat the olive oil to 180 degrees. This is not enough to bubble or boil, just enough to warm it up slightly. But it could be, or it could burn your hand, so be careful. Uh, remove, remove the oil from the heat and pour some of the oil into a small glass with a pouring spout. Using a funnel again, pour the warm olive oil into each of the bottles with the seasoning. The warming of the oil is what draws out the flavors of the dried spices. Yeah, because obviously it's not going to stay right. warm. You don't right. have to keep it warm. It just but draws that it out. Helps draws it out. Helps it yeah. mix up. Yeah. Uh, this will make about 12 bottles of uh, bread dip. So one of the notes is it's important that you only use dry spices if you're giving it away as a gift. A lot of the recipes on um, out there um, call for minced garlic. Or or um, your uh, fresh um, spices. Okay. But for this, if you're getting it away, do not do that. Use the dried because it could um, you could get some nasty bacteria in your okay. oil. All right. In, so dried yes. spices only. only if you're getting it as a gift. If you're making it that day for you and your family or for a get together, yeah. yeah, for you maybe can your use, Christmas party. Yes, yes. Then you it's can fine use to the use fresh. The, gotcha. Yes. But yeah. it's definitely perishable. Correct. If you use the fresh spices, Correct. so an important note because yes. yep. we don't want to make anyone sick no, here. No, so but they are great party favors and and um, our we gave them to a bunch of our friends last year and yeah. they all loved it. So the recipes for the uh, smoky sweet barbecue rub, the homemade vanilla extract, and the infused olive oil bread dip are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at. Kyra's Kitchen, WFIN, on Facebook. And uh, so you can find those there. Next week, we've got some more yes. uh, homemade are, yeah, recipes, we've got, homemade we've got Christmas like recipes. One fun one for kids. Okay. That mom and the kids, or dad and the kids, or every, or their whole family Everybody can and do. The kids, yeah. And then we've got uh, a couple of like uh, beauty fun type of. Ah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Homemade beauty products. Yes. yes. All right. We'll look forward to that uh, coming up next week. And in the meantime, if there's something that uh, you are uh, wanting or uh, looking for, uh, something you would like to uh, share, you can, again, check out the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. And my wife, Kyra, 
Thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, we begin our year in review, a look back at the stories and statistics that defined us in 2023. We'll speak with the executive editor of the World Almanac and Book of Facts. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, gone out, make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.